Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating, and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical, and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to podcast number four for Leanne Ward Nutrition. I'm your host, Leanne Ward, also known online as The Fitness Dietitian, and today, guys, we're talking all about a very requested topic, gut health. So I really wanted to make this podcast today all about gut health, so I put it out to you guys and I asked you on my Instagram stories, what exactly did you want to learn about regarding gut health? And there were probably three top things that really stood out in the responses from everybody. And these three top things were bloating, probiotics, and basically just how to have a healthy gut. So I'm 100% going to address things like bloating and probiotics in future podcasts. But today I've really decided to start with the basics. So you guys know me and you know I'm all about building a strong foundation first. So let's make the focus of today on what basically good gut health means. So what's normal, what's not when it comes to gut health, when is a problem a problem, the red flags to look out for with gut health, and finally, the number one thing that you can do to improve your gut health today. So let's start with the most important question. What exactly is good gut health? And I actually find this quite an amusing question because there's actually no scientific or medical definition for good gut health. So I'm actually going to quote directly from the BMC Medical Journal from an article written by Stephen Bichoff called Gut Health. Um, the article was titled Gut Health, A New Objective in Medicine. So he writes a really nice little summary of what he thinks encompasses good gut health. And he starts off by saying, gut health is a term increasingly used in the medical literature and by the food industry. It covers multiple positive aspects of the gastrointestinal tract or the GI tract, such as effective digestion and absorption of food, the absence of GI illness, normal and stable intestinal microbiota, effective immune status, and a state of well-being. So essentially what he's saying, or his definition, encompasses many different things, but basically it refers to an individual who's largely symptom-free when it comes to a gut health perspective and doesn't require any sort of consultation or tests or um, procedures with any sort of doctor or another clinical practitioner. So his definition covered a lot of different things, and I want to break down that definition a little bit more for you guys today to really define good gut health um, and the five different key areas that he talked about. So the first one um, was effective digestion and absorption of nutrients. So this really encompasses things like um, normal vitamin mineral status, regular bowel motions, normal transit time, any absence of abdominal pain or cramping, a normal stool consistency, and minimal to no symptoms. We think about things like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, even things like bloating and constipation. So that would be effective digestion and absorption of nutrients. All of of those sorts of things would be covered under that first key area. 
Now, the second key criteria that he focused on was a healthy for a healthy GI system was the absence of any GI illness. So functional GI illnesses have been on the rise in the Western world for quite some time now. And this has really sparked everybody's interest in gut health, especially, um, you know, in social media. It's a very trendy topic right now. So when I say things like functional GI diseases, I'm talking about diseases such as um, gastroesophageal reflux disease, any sort of gastric inflammatory diseases, enzyme deficiencies, irritable bowel disease, inflammatory bowel disease, things like celiac disease, even um, acid peptic diseases, bowel cancer, or any other inflammatory states related to the gut or bowel. Um, all those things encompass what we would call um, his second key criteria of a healthy GI system. Now, the third point he mentioned was a normal and stable intestinal microbiota. So again, if we were to break this down further, this means that we'd have no presence of things like bacterial overgrowth, including conditions like um, SIBO or SIBO. I don't even know, you know, depending on where in the world you are, it's pronounced a little bit differently. That's the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It also encompasses things like a normal composition of the gut microbiome and no other GI infections, including things like antibiotic um, associated diarrhea. So the fourth point he mentioned was around a good immune status. Now we know that the gut and the immune system are really closely linked. So an effective immune system means normal GI barrier function, normal mucus production, and no enhanced bacterial translocation. It also means normal levels and activity of immune cells and no allergy or mucosal hypersensitivity. So these are all, um, I guess, very big terms and they're sort of words which probably go quite you know, quite over some people's heads and that's okay. But these are all sorts of things that you'd be visiting um, doctors who specialize in gut health, such as gastroenterologists for. Now, his last point, his fifth point, described a healthy gut um, relating to a state of well-being. So to, to achieve a state of well-being relating to your gut, we want a normal quality of life. We want a really positive feeling around your gut. We don't want your gut to have any sort of impact on your quality of life, your social life, even leaving the house. I've had a lot of patients in the past that have had such bad bowels that they're too afraid to even leave the house because they're just not sure um, you know, how close by maybe a toilet might be or something like that. Um, when we think about um, quality of life in relation to our gut and well-being, we also think about um, normal and balanced amounts of serotonin production, which we know serotonin is a chemical and a neurotransmitter in our body that helps to regulate our mood, and the majority of that is actually made in our gut. So guys, there you have it. It's a very long and complex explanation of what one may consider good gut health. And if you're sitting back and you're thinking, I actually have one or more of these things, it doesn't, they don't necessarily mean that you have poor gut health. I mean, I myself actually suffer from reflux occasionally and also IBS um, type symptoms or IBS symptoms. I have diagnosed IBS um, and sometimes my symptoms are great. They're really well controlled. Other times they, you know, they flare quite badly depending on what I eat, how stressed I am, that sort of thing. So don't automatically think that if you have some of these things that we mentioned, you necessarily have um, bad gut health. Um, but it's just a few things to keep in mind. I guess when we think about the multiple aspects of what gut health really means and what it truly encompasses. So basically, my goal for you guys was just to share a little bit about what gut health actually encompasses and to let you know or help you understand that it's such a huge, huge area. And even what we think we know in gut health, there's so much more that we don't know. So that's essentially the definition of when we think about good gut health. They're all the things that we like to think that it encompasses. So 
Now I'd really want to, I'd really like to talk to you guys about what is considered normal with respect um, to gut health. And I'm going to start by talking all about your poop. Yep, I said it out loud, your poop. Luckily for you guys, being a past gastroenterology dietitian, I actually used to talk about poop all day long. So I'm very comfortable with it. And I know that it makes some people a little bit kind of icky or a little bit funny talking about it, but it's one of the best ways to really know if your digestive system is functioning properly or not. Um, So one of the things that doctors generally look for when they consider gut health um, is how your bowel motions are going or how your lack of bowel motions are. So generally when we think and we talk about our bowel motions, we like to use the Bristol stool chart. So the Bristol stool chart is like a medical aid that classifies your stools into seven different groups. So if you're interested to see where your stools lie, you could just Google the Bristol stool chart and it'll show you um, some diagrams and some lovely images of the average types of stools that most people have. So types one to to two on the Bristol stool chart generally indicate constipation. Types three to four on the Bristol stool chart are the ideal range for our bowel motions. We sort of want types three to four the majority of the time. And then on the other side of the scale, types five to seven um, generally tend to indicate some sort of diarrhea or urgency. Now, the Continence Foundation of Australia defines healthy bowel motions as soft yet well-formed stools that are easy to pass and that can happen anywhere from one to three times a day up to three times a week. So if you use the bathroom three times a day, this is actually considered normal and regular. And if you only pass a stool every two to three days, again, most doctors actually consider this normal and regular. So I hope that that's busted a few myths for you guys around your poop. I mean, most people tend to think, oh my God, I didn't have a bowel motion today. There's something wrong with me. It's actually not. So um, up to three times a day or every sort of two to three days is considered normal. So if you're listening to this and you have more than three bowel motions a day, and that's a regular thing for you, like it happens quite frequently, um, or you're listening to this and you sort of only go to the bathroom maybe once a week or maybe once or twice a week, um, it's probably worth touching base with your GP and letting them give you just a full workup um, just to make sure that um, there's nothing else going on, I guess. And I also want to note when we talk about bowel motions, if you experience any sort of urgency or overflow or even just lack of control with your bowel movements, a specialist physiotherapist may actually be able to assist you as well. So at the hospital that I used to work at, I had um, the pleasure of working with some amazing women's health and continence physios. So I can 100% vouch for them. And if your doctor's giving you the all clear in terms of your gut health symptoms, um, but your bowels are still giving you... Um, you know, not or affecting your quality of life day to day, it may actually be worthwhile seeing a specialist continence physiotherapist who may be able to assist you with some things like um, the control and that sort of thing around your bowel motions. So that is what we consider, I guess, normal with our bowel motions. Um, So now let's talk about what's not normal or what I would consider generally like red flags. So what I wanted to mention here is when is a problem a problem? A lot of people say, oh, this happens or this happens or this happens with my bowel or with my gut, but I don't know if it's it's good or it's bad or it's normal or whatnot. So I'm just going to discuss some red flags that I like to um, always say to my clients, look, okay, these things aren't normal. Um, and so I re- definitely recommend that you go back to your GP or you go and you get some further testing because it could... Um, you know, it could lead to another sort of condition which needs further, um, you know, medical um, intervention or something like that. 
So essentially, what is a problem a problem? Or when do I tend to recommend my clients go back and see their doctor? So as I said, in most people, a little bit of bloating is normal. The occasional bout of diarrhea is normal. Some people get constipated and that's normal, just generally day to day, as long as it's not like an ongoing thing that happens every single day. When you do start to experience these symptoms on a really regular basis, or they start to interfere with your day-to-day life on a regular basis, that's when it's generally time to go back and check in with your GP. So the criteria that doctors usually use or they use to diagnose IBS or irritable bowel syndrome is generally based around your bowel habits. So you need to have recurrent abdominal pain relating to difficulties defecating or using the toilet. You need to have changes in your stool frequency and changes in the appearance of your stool. And then generally IBS sufferers will also have symptoms at least one day a week for at least a period of three months. Now, as a dietitian, I actually can't diagnose IBS or any other sort of gut-related conditions. Only a doctor can. So please, if you experience any of these symptoms that we've talked about at least once a week for a period of three months or more, please go back and touch base with your GP. So there are many other things that I also screen my clients for when they come to me and that they have concerns around their gut health. So I consider these types of things, I guess, red flags, as they may be some sort of predictors of other more serious conditions. Sometimes they may not be, but we can never be too careful. You know, I, unfortunately, even in my um, even in my career, I've met 20-year-olds with bowel cancer. So it's something that, you know, I guess people just think, oh, I'm young, I'm healthy, like it can't happen to me. But it's always worth going back to our GP and just making sure some of these things aren't aren't more serious conditions. So red flags, which I always send my clients back to their GP to get full clearance, are things like um, unexplained weight loss, so losing weight unintentionally without trying. Things like anorexia, any difficulties swallowing, if you've got blood in your stools or if you have black tarry stools, if you have night sweats, if you have continuous vomiting, very severe abdominal pain, or ongoing watery diarrhea. So all of these things, guys, are not considered normal. So I'd urge you to pop back to your doctor or your medical practitioner and please go and get them checked out before you do any other sort of like dietary intervention or start excluding different food groups from your diet. Before we do any sort of playing around with our diet, we need to exclude any other sort of red flags first. Just Just to, I guess, have that peace of mind that... It's nothing else more serious. Perhaps it is just a bout of, um, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, which basically just means that we have a more hypersensitive gut than um, other members of the population. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. And definitely a lot of the times it can, um, we can do do some great things from a dietary perspective to help those symptoms, but we just want to know that there's nothing else going on before we start playing around with your diet. All right, so now we've talked about what good gut health is. We've talked about what's normal and we've talked about um, what our bowel motion should and shouldn't look like and what sort of red flags need to be checked out by our doctor. So now let's talk about my number one tip for good gut health. So this is probably going to surprise you guys. As a lot of, um, I guess, like alternative practitioners, I see online there are lots of different pills and supplements and medications that are, you know, supposed to miraculously heal your gut. But I want you to be very careful when you read things like this, because I want you to remember that there is no one thing that will heal your gut. So if somebody tells you that there is, if somebody's trying to show, uh, you know, sell you some sort of pill or some sort of supplement that's supposed to miraculously heal your gut, I want you to run away. 
and I want you to run away quickly because these people either want your money or they don't truly understand the science behind gut health. So my big tip for you guys today is there's no pill or supplement that is going to heal your gut. The best thing that you can do to improve your gut health um, from a general perspective is to increase the diversity of plants in your diet. Let's just let that sink in for a second. Let me say that a little bit louder for the people down the back. Collagen, bone broth, celery juice, and greens powder will not heal your gut. Okay, there is no one thing that will heal your gut or reverse your gut symptoms, but there is overwhelming research to support that the more diversity of plants in your diet, the better your long-term gut health is. So kids, eat your damn vegetables. (laughs) Now, there are approximately 100 trillion microorganisms that exist in the human gastrointestinal tract. Each of these species plays a different role in your health and requires different nutrients for growth. So in its simplest explanation, a diverse microbiota is considered to be a healthy one. So the more bugs you have in your gut, the better. This is because the more species of bacteria that you have, the greater the number of health benefits that that may be able to contribute to your gut health. So how do we increase the diversity of um, plants in our gut? We eat more vegetables and salads and fruits and beans and lentils and nuts. Basically, all of our wonderful, high-fiber, nutrient-dense whole foods. So I'm going to do an entire episode, maybe even a few episodes, on vegetables, fiber, pre- and probiotics, but the number one tip for you guys for today is to ensure that you're getting enough fiber throughout the day and that you're eating a diverse amount of plants throughout the day, which I can guarantee you 95% of people don't do. So please guys, stop looking for the quick fix pill or the quick fix supplement and start by changing your life today. You have control over what you eat. Eating is something that humans do every single day. So make it count. Next time you're at the shops, choose a different vegetable to try. Next time you order Uber Eats, choose a meal with plenty of vegetables or salad in it. And always remember that the more diversity and the more color, the better. So today we talked about what good gut health is, what's normal, what's not, um, what's regular in terms of our bowel motions and what's not, when is a problem a problem, and when should you see someone for further testing. Um, Gut health is such a huge area. I can guarantee you there will be many, many, many other podcasts to come from me where I'll be talking about things like bloating and probiotics, the gut-brain axis, how stress affects our gut health, even really specific functional foods for gut health. But you guys will really need to stay tuned as I simply can't cover it all in one podcast. So today, um, this podcast was really about establishing, I guess, the simple basic foundation for our understanding of gut health before we move into more specific things. You guys know me, and I'm never going to launch into talking about like really specific functional foods until we have a really great understanding of what gut health actually means and um, if we can start playing with some things in our diet once we've got the all clear from our GP, we've had some of those red flags checked out. So finally, I just wanted to finish up by mentioning that I'm not a doctor. Remember that, guys. I'm an accredited practicing dietitian and a nutritionist, and an, an APD is basically the Australian version of an, of an American RD. 
So I have a lot of experience in the area of gut health from working in a specialist senior gastroenterology clinic at one of the hospitals here in Brisbane. So the opinions in this podcast are purely my own based on my own experience with um, gastroenterology patients who have had a lot of gut health symptoms. So please go and see your GP if you feel like something's not right or if anything that I've mentioned in this podcast today sort of made you sit up and say, hold on, that's me. That really doesn't sound right. So that is all from me in this podcast today. I really hope to catch you guys in the next one. It is a very popular um, requested topic, which just so happens to be intermittent fasting. So please stay tuned if intermittent fasting is something that you are curious about or that you're interested in, because that will be our next podcast topic. So if you enjoyed this podcast today, please, please, please leave me a rating. I will be forever grateful. And please remember, guys, go and eat some bloody vegetables. (laughs) 